The people you meet in Ireland will say that a week is never enough. But with a bit of planning and the advice of professional Irish tour guides, we can expect to have a lot of fun enjoying the sights and tastes that Ireland has to offer, even if your travel plans only allow for seven days. Our guides are Paul Corkin from Belfast, Northern Ireland, and Kieran O'Hare is an Irish-American who attended Trinity College in Dublin, and he's an expert in the Irish bagpipes. In fact, Kieran performs in the Irish folk trio Open the Door for Three. Paul, if you had a friend visiting for seven days in Ireland, the mm-hmm. entire island, and you've got limited time, admittedly, yeah. what would you put as a priority for the first week in Ireland? The priority for me would be to see both the north and the south. And it's not just because I'm from the north that I'm going to say that, although I am. Mm-hmm. But the north is really worth seeing. And I think if you see the north contrasted with the south and read about the history of it, you, you get a much fuller view of, well, the historical perspective of Irish history. Yeah. All my, my days as a tour organizer, I've had, a, as a matter of um, sort of... Uh, principle. I, I want people to see the whole of Ireland. Yeah. That means the Republic and the North. And mm-hmm. it's easier than ever now. I mean, there's a huge, fast connection from Dublin to Belfast. How long does the train take? Two hours. Two hours. Mm-hmm. So you could make Belfast a day trip from Dublin Absolutely. if that's all the time mm-hmm. you had. Yeah. Okay, you're going to see the North and the South. Well, what are you going to see? What, what would, give me five sites. I would start in Belfast, uh-huh. spend a couple of days there, then I would move south. Mm-hmm. But I would also see the Giants Causeway because the UNESCO heritage site, the most visited thing in Northern Ireland, and it's absolutely spectacular. It's much better in reality than it is reading about it in books. The Giants Causeway, this is sort of a geological site. You've got it this is, hexagonal yes. basalt columns. Hexagonal ba- basalt columns created by a lava flow. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's absolutely spectacular. So that's a day trip from Belfast up to the north coast, which gotcha. isn't very far. I mean, mm-hmm. Ireland is so small. That's the beauty of it. It's about 300 miles long, about 150 miles wide, so it's really easy to travel. Okay, so you hop in the train from Belfast two hours later you're in Dublin, a couple of days there. you got a few, couple more, days in Dublin, few, yeah. few more days. Where are you going to mm-hmm. go? I would go down to the little fishing port of Kinsale. You're getting away from the big city, well, big city in Irish terms, and you're going down to a wee small village. I love Kinsale. It's beautiful. It's on the really south coast. attractive. Kieran, where would you go? What would you prioritize with a week in Ireland? Well, I couldn't agree more with Paul about the idea of spending some time um, in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. um, not just because of the beauty of a place like the Giant's Causeway or the vibrancy of a city like Belfast, but certainly uh, Northern Ireland has historical ramifications for people in America of Irish descent from whatever mm-hmm. community their ancestors came from. So going to Belfast or you know any trip to the Giant's Causeway will take in rural countryside like the glens of Antrim and places of extreme mm-hmm. beauty. And from, you know, if I were to go to Kinsale, I would certainly after that beautiful town in County Cork. Um, I would head up, I think Galway, for example, would be a great base of operations. It's a gateway to Connemara, um, the great Irish-speaking region uh, west of the city of Galway, and also easy access to places like the Cliffs of Moher, mm-hmm. uh, probably the most fantastic natural wonder in Ireland in terms of a geological formation. Mm-hmm. You have access to traditional music in the pubs of County Clare and of Galway, and mm-hmm. from there, you know, you could craft trips up as far as Westport in the heart of Connacht and places like that. So to, to the north of Galway. To the north of Galway. So, you know, if okay. we're talking about seven days, you've got a day, day and a half in Belfast, day, day or two in Dublin, and then go you know, to the west. And go to the west, absolutely. Yeah, so much to see in the west. The uh, west's awake. I would say there's four major cities, Belfast, Dublin, Galway, and Cork. Cork. And of those four, I'd say the best three would be the first three I said, with Cork in fourth place. If you had to choose the top three, would you agree with that? I would agree. So, and from Galway, you get all of these beautiful places nearby. When we are thinking about traveling to Ireland, there's, I believe, three major airports. You could fly into Belfast, you could fly into the west. Belfast. Dublin and Shannon, which is in the west, yeah. And it's a small island, but you save yourself a lot of headache and expense by choosing the right airport. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so you can factor that in. If you're considering the weather, it's a small island. I think the weather's miserable everywhere. Well, you don't go to Ireland for the weather. You know? <laughs> Nobody does that. <laughs> you don't go to Ireland for the weather. You go to Ireland... You and go to you, Ireland despite the weather. You, you're thankful for the rain because it wouldn't be the Emerald Island without the exactly. rain. Exactly. If we want balance, we've talked about the north and the south. We've talked about the two big cities, Dublin and Belfast. If we're thinking of the south coast, uh, Paul, you were talking about Kinsale, yes. which is a, a food capital, isn't it? Yes, it, it was a gourmet capital which started up in the 1970s. Uh, they started opening restaurants there. It's a little village of about two or 3,000 people, which swells to about 9,000 in the summer. And there's about 50 restaurants in that little town. And, you know, it was the self-proclaimed gourmet capital of Ireland, but it really deserves it. The food, it's so fun to be there for a few days just to eat yeah. your way through Kinsale. Mm-hmm. It's also got a lot of impressive military history. Oh, it has. It's got a gigantic uh, star-shaped fort. A star-shaped fort. A star-shaped fort, fort yeah, which yeah. is a, the ideal shape, apparently, for defense, which was only ever used once when it didn't work because they weren't attacked from the sea, they were attacked from the land. But, but maybe that's a, a testimony to how good it was. Nobody even would bother Nobody attacking dared it. To. Nobody did. not to. get in there. But it's also the site of one of the most famous battles in Irish history at the start of the 1600s, the Battle of Conceal, which has ramifications, if we had all day, I could tell you all about it, oh. ramifications for the division of, of Northern Ireland, for example. We don't have time to talk about it because it's a whole other interview, but it's basically the tragic end of the uh, It's the end of the, the Gaelic clans. era. Yeah. The end of the Gaelic era, yeah. Helping us plan a week in Ireland on Travel with Rick Steves are Irish-American musician and tour guide Kieran O'Hare and Paul Corkin, who comes from Belfast in Northern Ireland. When we think about the south coast of Ireland, I think we've got the Ring of Kerry, yeah. And then there's uh, another ring. What is the the town that's the home base for that? Kenmare? Kenmare. Well, Kenmare's the start of it, yeah. But yeah. there's also Dingle. Dingle Peninsula. Yeah, Kieran was talking about Galway, which was a fantastic city. I think I would go for somewhere smaller than that because we've done Belfast, we've done Dublin. Yeah. I think I would stay somewhere small like uh, Dingle. Dingle Peninsula. So the touristic favorite is the Ring of Kerry. Yeah. But you can do a scenic drive around the Dingle Peninsula and have pretty much the same dramatic scenery. You can go around the Slayhead Drive, as it's called, which is about a 30-mile drive. Yeah. So you can do it easily in a couple of hours, but you want to spend more time than that and stop and look at all the beautiful bays that you see. And you can see Skellig Michael, which is also another uh, UNESCO heritage site. People know Skellig Michael. It's the most dramatic little perch. It's a little teepee-shaped rock out in the middle of the wild Mm -hmm. sea. It is. And uh, it reminds me that in the Dark Ages, when almost nobody in Europe could read or write, you had uh, literate monks in the west coast of Ireland. Well, yes, I mean, that's part of the history of Ireland, that uh, because we didn't suffer a Roman invasion when the Roman Empire fell and the Dark Ages descended upon Europe, Ireland was sending out monks to go and re-evangelize the rest of Europe, which had fallen into the Dark Ages. The island of saints and scholars. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Josh is calling from San Carlos in California. Josh, thanks for your call. Hey, thanks for having me. About 15 years ago, I had the good pleasure of uh, using your guidebook for a two-week solo trip from Dublin out, uh, out west to Shannon. 15 years on, I'm married and have two kids. And uh, our next trip we'd like to do together is Ireland. Any recommendations for uh, family traveling with kids under 10? Karen, Paul, any ideas? Well, there are places called center parks, for example, which you can go to and you can spend a couple of days there and it's just set up for kids. I've never been to one of these, but uh, I've got a brother-in-law and a sister who have and they say it's absolutely fantastic to take them there, the swimming pools and all that. But a lot of the pubs in rural Ireland are kid-friendly and you don't need to worry about that. You can take them in, they can sit quite happily. Um, there's lots of beaches 
every kid loves a beach. I've never met a kid yet who doesn't love a beach. And if you go to somewhere like Donegal, for example, you will get five miles of beach with nobody on it. It's absolutely fantastic. Josh, when you go to Dingle Peninsula, which a lot of people with my guidebooks go because I love the place, it really is an amazing thing to go out there on the way to Blasket Islands. And yes, I, I would take kids to Blasket Islands. It's a ghost town in, on a little island uh, with a bunch of rabbits running around yeah. and seals and uh, lots of history. And how uh, old are your kids, Josh? Uh, nine and six. Nine and six. Well, they're old enough to be taught a little bit about Irish history and the culture and yeah. how the Irish went off to America and darker side as well, you know, famine and great and, hunger, things and, like and, that. And Josh, I'd like to um, affirm what Paul mentioned about the pubs. When my kids were nine and six, we went into the pubs. You know, we'd sit and enjoy our beer with our friends and the kids would be making friends and playing on the pool table. So, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that was my experience there uh, a while back. You know, they're such friendly places and often have such great music, too. Oh, that's yeah. great. And, hey. and they also sell beer, which is a really good feature of Irish pubs. <laughs> you know what? So it's the good Guinness fun for the adults. It's just a bit better there, you bet. <laughs> for good well, they certainly don't keep the kids out, so there's plenty of opportunities <laughs> to get together with all the generations uh, with a pub for the roof. Hey, uh, Josh, thanks for your call. Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Kieran O'Hare and Paul Corkin about the best of Ireland. And Ashley's calling from Riverview, Florida. Yes, uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2017, we went to Ireland. Uh, my husband and a couple of friends and I, we loved it. We had such a blast. I, the thing I would recommend the most, if you can, is rent a car. Because we rented a car in um, Dublin and we drove all the way around to um, Camara and we went down to Dingle did the Ring of Kerry, and then came back around up to Dublin. It was just amazing. I loved the Burn. That was my favorite mm. place so that what we visited. Now, the Burn is that rocky, sort of desolate, God-forsaken piece of land south <laughs> of Galway, when the closer you look at it, the more life it's got in it. How did you enjoy the Burn? How were you struck by the Burn? Uh, just the landscape was so different, and just driving through there, um, it was just so quiet and so peaceful, just really, really pretty. Um, now, in Ireland, do you drive on the, the British side of the road, right? We drive on the right uh, side of the road, the, okay. the left. The left. <laughs> <laughs> With your sword hand on the inside. Ashley, were you okay driving on the correct side of the road, which we Americans uh, would have to get used to? Yes, we had no issues. We had a little, it was a little scary when we got off the highway, some of the rural small country roads. We had to fight with some of the tour buses a little bit. Like, yeah. You know, we realized we had to back up and then kind of get into the divot on the side of the road. You know, you, but really we didn't have too many problems at you, all. You can't be aggressive on the roads if you're a tourist especially. Mm-hmm. You've just got to relax. You use the pullouts. Uh, it's very scenic. Take your time. I find it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking to be driving in a lot of uh, Ireland if you're trying to get anywhere in a hurry. Just take your time. And it does turn out that driving is more convenient than public transportation, I find, because Dublin is kind of the hub. And if you're going across the grain, you're going to not have the, the greatest uh, flexibility in, in schedule. It can be done. But if you have your own car, I think it goes better. Uh, Karen, any advice for people driving in Ireland? Um, I think a lot of Americans tend to be very intimidated by that. And really, the brain takes just a little bit, in my experience, to get used to having... You know, basically, the pedals are where they're supposed to be. The wheels mm-hmm. where it's supposed to be relative to the pedals. And the only thing that's different is you might be shifting with your left hand rather than your right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. also, even if something goes wrong, know that it's a rite of passage for American drivers to knock off at least one of the side mirrors on their car while they're driving in Ireland. <laughs> okay, so you might want to get mirror insurance, I suppose. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. You know, one thing I would highly recommend is not renting your 
car for Belfast or Dublin. If you're going to see the big cities, see them outside of your car rental time, connect it with the train, and then pick up your car Fabulous to advice. take off on your own. Ashley, thanks for your call. Oh, thank you. Carol's calling in from Canby in Oregon. Carol, thanks for your call. Yes, thanks for taking it. We are doing a home exchange. We've never been to Ireland before, and we're exchanging with someone who has a home in Donegal in Northern Ireland. Uh-huh. So we're flying into Dublin, and it really dovetails to your last question. We were wondering, should we rent a car? Where should we rent a car? What's the best way to do this? So you're going to Donegal, and Donegal is yes. the far northwest of Ireland. Is that right? Exactly, yes. Yeah. And from there, we because we'll be staying at this home, we're going to drive to Galway. We do want to see quite a few sites in Ireland, but we weren't sure should we get it at the airport. What, what are the steps? Kieran, what, what would your advice be for Carol? Well, I would say absolutely consider flying into Shannon Airport and hiring the car there uh, because you can spend, oh, okay. you, if you hire the car in Shannon Airport, you're not driving straight into a bustling metropolis like Dublin trying to get used to the, you know, mm-hmm. we're driving on a different side of the road. You're in a country place and you can drive easily. You know, you go straight north from there to get to Donegal in the car. And whether, I don't know where you're staying in Donegal, but Donegal is very, very rural and places are very sparsely populated. So a car is probably a sine qua non, I would say. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if you did Dublin, you could do Dublin. You could take the train to Galway, do Galway without a car and pick up your car in Galway and you'd be out in the countryside too. Carol, it sounds like you're going to have a great time and you're, you're, uh, it's, it's beautiful to be settling down in Donegal because that's... Donegal is fantastic. Tell us about Donegal, Paul. Well, we live straight across from Donegal. If you go on a straight line across from Belfast, you arrive in Donegal, and we go to a little cottage Mm -hmm. out in the west. And one of our favorite things, my wife and I, is to wait until it really rains and the rain comes lashing down. You put on all your clothes, all your wet gear, and you walk at 45 degrees to the horizontal to the pub, which is 45 (laughs) minutes away, and Guinness never tasted better. We like it. The worse the weather, the more we love it. There's deserted beaches. You've got the Sleeve League Cliffs, which are three times as high as the Cliffs of Moher. It's called the Forgotten County because it's tucked in on the western side of the Northern Irish border, so it's geographically a little bit isolated. And therefore, they feel they've been a little bit forgotten over the years by the central government in Dublin. But it's uh-huh. amazing. Perfect. Oh, well, this has been so helpful. Thank you well, very, I'm glad. very much. Great, Carol. Have a great Thank time. You. Let us know how your trip goes. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye-bye. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Paul Corkin, who reminds us that when the weather's really miserable, the Guinness tastes better. And Karen O'Hare. And we've been talking about Ireland, uh, how to sort out the options in Ireland. I'd like to just finish off with a, a practical little insight from each of you. Kieran, for me, the trick to getting the most out of your Irish experience really relates to the pubs, not just drinking beer, but connecting with the culture and being comfortable in that pub scene and connecting with the traditional music. You're a musician, and the American, give us a tip on understanding the pub etiquette and enjoying the music. Absolutely. Well, in a, in a pub in Ireland is more of a social nexus than a tavern. That's sort of a good way to start. So it's not necessarily about drinking your head off. You can get a cup of tea in the pub. You can get a Coke, whatever you want. A lot of pubs serve great food. It's where people and neighbors come together to share news. And But for a tourist, for a traveler in Ireland, it's also a place where you can easily interact with locals who will be happy to see you. And also in many pubs in Ireland, you'll find traditional music, which is a, a part of Irish culture all over the island. People will come together in pubs to sing or play the instrumental dance music of Ireland. It's a great social occasion, and it sort of uh, brings the pub together in a convivial atmosphere, but that's also a moment of cultural preservation and a cultural progression and cultural sharing, and there's nothing really like it here in the United States, and it's very unique, the Irish pub. 
a critical thing when you stop anywhere in Ireland checking into your B&B or your hotel, ask where is some pub music tonight. And you can make a lot of friends and enjoy that magic. Exactly. Paul Corkin, you know, there's probably 10 Irishmen in America for every Irishman in Ireland, mm-hmm. considering the diaspora. Yeah. If you're an Irish-American or, or just somebody who wants to learn about that, what would you be sure to see when you go to Ireland? Well, I meet so many American tourists that come over for the, the tours who are looking to just get in touch a little bit with the roots. Now, not doing anything dramatically, you know, going right back 400 years, but up in Belfast, for example, where I suggest you should start your one-week tour, there's the Prony, as we call it, the Public Records Office of Northern Ireland. Hmm. It's a fantastic resource. You can go in there. It's really well located because it's beside the new visitor center, the Titanic Visitor okay. Center, which yeah. was built in 2012. And it's right literally next door to that. So it's really handy. When you go down to Dublin, you can go to a wonderful new museum called the Epic Center. And Epic, I f- memory serves, it stands for Every Person is Connected. Ah. E-P-I-C, Epic. But there also you can start researching into your family's history. Unfortunately, an awful lot of the records in Ireland were, were destroyed. Mm-hmm. during the Civil War, just after independence, mm. uh, when they burnt down the four courts mm. and thousands and thousands of valuable documents, which would have helped in their genealogical research. Well, records are now the epic. is an amazing uh, museum to yeah. celebrate the I- Irish diaspora. Yeah. Paul Corkin, Kieran O'Hare, thanks so much for helping us better understand wonderful Ireland. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. I love art. And in my new book, Europe's top 100 masterpieces, I share my favorites with gorgeous photos and vivid descriptions. It's a greatest hit sweep through art history via the finest paintings, sculpture, and architecture ever. It's all in Europe's top 100 masterpieces, Art for the Traveler. It's available now at ricksteves.com.